Welcome to The Numbers Game. I'm Jason, and this time I'm joined with Marty and Nick, just to flip the two names around for the first time, I think, in 80 or 90 episodes of recording. Boys, how are we? What's happening? I don't know if I start now after that intro, <laughs> mate. You've, you've thrown the whole thing out of whack. Correct. keeping you guessing. I live a boring life, so everyone's itching to hear about Marty. I need certainty. <laughs> Well, I'm saying I live a boring life, so no one cares about what I'm doing. So I always let you go first because everyone's like, I wonder what Marty's been up to this week, you know, dog training. Marty's in, Marty's way more interesting than you, Nick. I'm really you sorry. You blokes, this know. is heading down the wrong road here. It's like, <laughs> this is, I'm just happy to get in my recliner at the end of the day, you know, calculate the wins and, you know, just get a night, <laughs> good night rest. That's all. That's all I do. So, uh, no, I'm going well. I'm uh, excited about today's episode because I get to destroy business and uh i'm really feeling in one of those moods so yeah i can't wait to get into it nick how are you i'm well mate i'm well the uh the limbs the limbs are back after barnburger feeling good nearly ready to pick a club up again and continue on the golf journey which is flatlined the last few weeks so um but uh i've had a bit of a mental break and i'm Rejuvenated. I think I'm ready to go again and try and get, try and go to that next <laughs> level of ability. So, but I'm looking forward to today as well because we always talk about um, we always talk about you know what to do in business and how do you grow your business. But I think some of this stuff that that you've come up with and you're going to share today is awesome. Um, and it's a bit, bit counterintuitive, but it's you know the what not to do's. Um, and I think that's just as good as what to do. So, looking forward to ripping in. How are you going, Jace? Guys, I'm good. Been doing a uh, vicious cycle challenge at the local spin studio. So I've been riding a bike every day, which is not my usual thing. I'm usually into running. So it's um, definitely a different feeling in the quads. Uh, probably get some bike tips from you, Nico, on uh, all that, how to recover. But yeah, going well, going really well. And also extremely excited. But we drafted the um, notes for this episode and we'll, you know, we're, I think, you know, in one of the recent episodes, we talked about being positive and looking at positive things. And then we thought, you know what, let's turn on it. Let's turn it on its head and look at all the ways we could destroy a business just to like keep everyone guessing and keep it interesting. And um, what not a better episode to uh, sponsor for future advisory than how to destroy a business. So, uh, you know, if you want to know how to not destroy your business once you've listened to this podcast, make sure you check out the team at Future Advisory who have proudly uh, sponsored and got on board making sure the Numbers Game podcast can happen. Futureadvisory.com.au if you want to learn some more. But Marty, I'm going to throw to you because we are ultra keen to get into destroying businesses. So what have you got for us? Yeah, well, I've drawn on information from probably probably about seven years of business banking. And the one thing you learn in dealing with businesses and their funding is that some businesses do very, very well and some businesses uh, don't do so well. So I've drawn on some of those experiences that I've seen in businesses, plus what I think is happening uh in 2023 as well as back in uh, 1993 but uh, I think I've got some good things for you here because yeah business can be challenging and these are the things in this type of climate that not to do in order to get through the next 12 months and I had it at number one and I'll, I'll draw each of you on this on different questions uh, getting distracted and losing focus on what made you successful in the first place uh, challenging market. Some people can get highly distracted trying to make ends meet in a challenging market. Know what you do well and amplify those behaviours and narrow focus. Be careful of dead activity that doesn't generate more business. Um, 
That's a huge one. Uh, people go into panic and start looking for business everywhere and lose their core values as to what made them successful in the first place. Uh, yeah, comment. Jace, I'll go to you first on that one. Yeah, look, it's a good one um, and definitely got me thinking straight away. Um, I think back to when Greg and I first met and talked – well, not first met. We first met when we were flipping burgers at McDonald's. And um, so when you say getting distracted and losing focus of what made you successful in the first place, I think why did we start our business? Like what was that motivation that got us kind of going? And it was to to create a, a different accounting firm that was led by communication and relationships. And now sometimes we get bogged down in the day-to-day, which is just survival and getting shit done and hiring the next employee and trying to give them a really great place to work. And quite often we do get bogged down and lose sight of that original decision of, of why why we wanted to do it and why we got into it. And also the the bits that made us successful from the early days were a lot around technology and our um, social media and looking different, being different, but like leading by example. And I think as, I won't call them competitors, as other people in the industry who we collaborate with have caught up and are doing more of that now, we probably don't stand out as much or look as different anymore. So it's it's a great point of not losing sight of that. And yeah, no, look, absolutely love it. I think, um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear Nick's thoughts of what got what his brain was going through when when Marty said that. Well, I've actually got a, a question back to you, Marty, because I think, um, you know, being someone who started a business when there was only a couple of people and building it up to where it is now, which is um, enough people, um, I, I think the challenging thing is how how do you actually do that? Because all of these things you can't bypass. You can't bypass, you know, emails. You can't bypass, you know, as a business owner, HR, you know, trying to drive the business. Shit, now there's funding. There's all these things that get thrown at you as a business owner, which you have to deal with. Um, so my challenge in that is, geez, how, how do I get, even get back to that? I'm so busy trying to run the business and do everything else. So, yeah, any tips on how you can refocus or you know, maybe take an audit on what on what you are doing and um, how do you get that focus back to where it should be? Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. For me, uh, business owners always have multitude of ideas, and that's great. But and it's very creative. But I think keep the main thing. The main thing was something that I always came back to: what works, and how do I do that even more effectively to make it work even better? Like spin the wheel faster on what's spinning, um, because what I find was, and I've made these mistakes myself. You know, siphoning off into real estate in uh, in businesses and various different things, and I go, you end up spinning too many plates, and then they start crashing. And the very qualities that you've created in that first you know the first time in the business where it starts to kick you start to lose form and that can actually be a real disadvantage to the whole business so to me I think getting distracted is uh is a really dangerous thing if you start spreading two things and delegation like you said Nick like as a leader I think you know you need to delegate effectively into and you've done that really well I've always admired that about yourself is um yeah just 
delegate to the people who love to do what they do. I think I always felt a sense of guilt of delegating. I felt like I had to do it all in order to show that I was a leader, but real effective leadership that I've learned over time is to clearly articulate and communicate and put people into positions of strength that are good at what they do that you might not necessarily be good at. So I think, I hope I've answered your question there on that. Yeah, no, definitely. it is very hard, and I think the yeah, there's the the delegation piece, but I think we because we could be seen guilty of losing focus, and I guess I was, I was I was interested to see how you answered that question because you know financial planning, um, finance, um, yeah, now we're going to this business advisory finance piece, so yeah, you people externally could look in and go, well, geez, what are you guys actually doing, you know? But for us, I think where what we've done is have individuals that specialize in those areas and correct individuals across um all the different fields and and they're they're also we spoke about this before but they're very complementary services um they all complement each other and we can help certain people in all different um service um service lines so yeah big difference saying to one person you've got to be over business advisory mortgages financial planning and asset finance if you went down that route um, you're dead in the water but we have you specialize and you have managers to take care of those areas and be as good as those areas can be then there's that natural ecosystem where you know it's consistent across the group so that's it's important Chase, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, if it doesn't work out, we can always like reloop back to this and use that as a case study of uh, how to destroy a business. So That's yeah, right. We'll, that, we've got ready. that on our side. We'll let you know. <laughs> we're ready. Let you know we're on the way Thanks, down. Boys. Number two, number two, and this is a big one in challenging economic climates, uh, lowering rates and prices and maybe even not putting them up as effectively as they should go up. And while it might seem like a good idea to try and attract more business, it's really a race uh, to the bottom. And the likelihood is you're just going to get more price conscious clients that are not going to value your service and all it's going to do is strip away margin and that's the last thing you want to do in this type of economic climate so you really want to understand your value Um, you want to understand the price that you require to function really well as a business uh, fiscally and then you want to share that value and for the people that that admire that and want to work with you then obviously you expand in their circles of influence and keep growing forward but that's um that's a big one and i always come back to disneyland on this one year on year they increase their prices and more people come through because of the quality of the experience and i think um, that's a really good way to decimate your business and eat into your margins is uh yeah go price shopping and not not understanding your value having just booked a couple of tickets to disneyland for in a couple of couple of a month or two over there for my cousin's wedding um i can understand case saw the price of the disneyland tickets and thought what the hell like is this how how do people afford to go to disneyland it's insane and yeah the fact that people are still are pumping through the gates i guess then it's um you know uh, if you if you don't go about it the right way though Either way can destroy your business, like low, like lowering rates and prices or increasing rates and prices but not backing it by value. Correct. So you, you can actually flip that the other way around and either of them still have the ability to destroy your business. Um, so it's definitely like a, a balance of getting it right. But I agree, lowering your rates and prices just, just on the surface of that 
the type of customer you want to attract. You need to know who your target client is. You need that avatar. You need to know what you're offering to them and what they're willing to pay for it. And you need to be not ruthless, but you need you need to really back yourself in on your value. Um, it's confidence. And, you know, and we're talking about a lot of educated, high net worth people that struggle with this too. Like this is not just, you know, this is not just small business. This is like, you know, people people sometimes really struggle to explain their value and understand what that value is and uh, the client would understand it if you would share that communication but it's um, it's a common thread I think it's almost a confidence thing people feel bad about it and instead of actually having a tactical approach of and you're right if you just up the rates without any validation or communication around it then everyone's going to go stuff you and move on somewhere else but if you're displaying great value um, then you know you're always going to be okay Nick yeah and you know <laughs> People might be thinking, well, what is my value? Well, it's pretty simple maths and it's, you know, work out what it costs you to deliver that advice or that service. So what is your hourly rate? What's the cost and put a margin on it and there's your price. It's pretty simple. So if, you, if you're going, if you're using that methodology, your rate should continuously go up. And yep. the other thing I'd say, and Jace, you could probably um, either tell me this is right or wrong, but I would suggest that 99.9% of people that or business owners that increase their rates would say, geez, I wish I did that a year ago. That was the best thing I ever did. So, you know, have the confidence to your point, Marty, to do it. You'd be surprised. And look, at it is definitely a conversation we're having with business owners going, when was the last time you increased your rate? And they'll say, oh, geez, I haven't looked at increasing my rate for years. And it's like, well, well, come on. Like, why not? Like, you know, all of your costs have gone up. Your employees' salaries have gone up. Why wouldn't your rates go up? Oh, just, I was really worried about losing clients if I put my prices up. Well, they'll understand, communicate it well, all the, you know, everything else. So, yep, definitely a way to destroy your business if you are lowering rates or prices or even keeping them the same year after year. And for and for business owners, it's a great way to up the bar in order to, you know, understand that value and put some work around that. So it's, um, I think it's a good process to go through anyway. It forces you to evaluate your value it does. too. Like, it like does. How are we delivering value and whether that's the, you know, I think we've used the mechanic example so many times, but you know, you if you're taking your car to the mechanic and they've got a car they can swap with you and they make you a coffee while you wait or they've got a fruit bowl at the thing or a high-speed internet connection and a beautiful lounge for you to sit in while you wait to get your car serviced, like all of these extra things point to increased value, change, put the price up and you know, the, the guy down the road who's lowering their prices trying to attract people to bring their cars in there, it's, you know, again, value. So, no, love it. Great point, Marty. And to finalise that point, uh, there, particularly when I was in the coaching field, and I probably learnt this a little bit late myself, but it was like incredible like how there were high-ticket coaches that they, you know, they couldn't sell for a hundred bucks an hour their consultancy packages. Yet when they articulated their DNA and had a blueprint of their value of what they were going to provide for the client, they could charge eighty thousand a year. It was quite remarkable how, you know, same same capability and same delivery, just the marketing of it. Um, they were already producing that value with clients. They had runs on the board. Uh, they just weren't pricing themselves effectively. It was amazing. So, uh, all right, number three, allowing your clients to dictate your workday. This is a big one. Uh, while it's important to keep clients happy, it's also important to maintain a level of professionalism uh, and hold firm on your scope of work and how people work with you. And I think when 
people start to worry that there's not enough business out there, they will drop standards and they will do whatever it takes to win a deal and go anywhere and there's so much dead time wastage in doing that. You really got to keep your efficiencies up to what makes you successful and yes, you can do a pivot as we've talked about in previous episodes but again, you dictate your work day, not your client. You have times available for activities and then you you fit the market to those activities and those time frames because otherwise you are a puppet on a string and you'll get pulled from pillar to post and you'll be so inefficient uh, and and you will just not you will just not perform at a level that's optimal. Definitely guilty of this in in the younger days. Um, I think the other yeah all, all your points are, are great, but and I think the other thing is it creates a it creates a demand like the almost like the scarcity of your time, I feel people, it makes people want to deal with you more because um, it looks like you are professional. It looks like you're busy, which means you're helping a lot of people. Um, so they almost feel happy to to be able to get some of your time, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So uh, I think that's 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 definitely another element as well and that, that leads into professionalism. Yeah, creating boundaries is absolutely necessary you know if if all of a sudden it's look i i only want an appointment with jason it needs to be 7 p.m at night it's like well that's my time with case or my family time i don't do appointments at 7 p.m why can't we do it at 1 p.m or you know any any time during nine to five monday to friday i'm available if you want me nope it's got to be after hours because i work okay well potentially we're not the right accounting firm for you then if, if we can't find a time during business hours um but yeah same nick i mean not necessarily, I use the word guilty, but you'll do a lot at startup stage where you will do early appointments, night times, Saturdays, Sundays. And that's not to say, it's not, you know, a bad thing necessarily if you're in startup phase and you're trying to build something, but eventually you've got to be able to build some boundaries in and also figure out a way how to change the script with those clients you brought on in the early days, even letting them know, look, this isn't forever. I'm going to do this Saturday appointment in for now and then we're going to move back to weekday appointments like just make sure you can communicate that if unless you're planning on running saturdays and 9 p.m appointments you know forever and that's part of your business model um but yeah otherwise you're as you said you're going to become a puppet and be on a string and you know really get dictated by um your clients it changed my business life and it changed my life when i said these are the types i have available does that suit you uh, it, it literally that one sentence uh, I got control of my home business and the other thing that was interesting as soon as I did that people started to go I'll come to you and I thought now I didn't intend for that to happen initially then I, you know, I flipped that strategy to say that's how it was going to be but it was like it was very interesting people started to go yeah I'll come to you um, it was it was amazing the difference the thing that I realized is it was all me. It had nothing to do with the clients. Like, Absolutely. The minute I flipped the switch and said, this is all I do, I realized I was the one that was creating the the the, the problem or, you know, it, it, was, it was never a problem. It's, it was just really easy yeah. once I'd made it up my own mind that this is the way it's going to be. And I think the other thing now, we, we, I know we're talking about working from home and the flexibilities and with Zoom now, it's pretty easy to jump on Zoom and have a half an hour meeting with your accountant. You don't need to do it at six o'clock at night. You could easily go to your boss and say, hey, I'm going to take half an hour out um, in the in the pod because I've got a meeting with my accountant. Is that okay? I would say no problems. So it's far easier now for people to 
to deal with you nine to five versus, oh, you know, I've got to come and see you after work because I'm stuck in the office all day. Well, you all know that's not the case at the moment. So I had met with a couple of clients the other day and they the Zoom opened and they went, um, please excuse us if it's okay. We're going to eat our lunch while we have this meeting because we've booked it during our lunch break so that we could definitely get in to see you. And I was absolutely, please go for it. Let's go. What are your questions? Let's let's crack in. So as we said, our, our businesses will never outgrow us. You know, we've mm. got to keep growing as people and set those boundaries. But it's great things. We've, we've been on the ground floor learning this as we've gone. So, um, but it's very effective. All right, let's go to number four. Avoiding interaction with your team, staying isol- isolated in your office um, and avoiding interaction with your team can lead to a lack of collaboration and ineffective communication. Uh, it's important to be av- available and engage with your team to offer guidance, support as needed. And poor delegation comes into this too. Uh, neglecting this aspect can lead to confusion and inefficiency amongst your team. So again, we're coming back to here in regards to sometimes when you get busy, um, you've got stresses on your mind and you've got different focuses in your head uh, and then you ignore your team or you try and hibernate yourself a little bit. But that is the most dangerous thing you can do is lose connection with your people. And um, I think it's not a point that would usually come up, but it's. I think it's a point that I've seen over time when pressure hits, um, people, you know, sort of recline back and they're more isolated in their own heads. So it's important that no matter what's going on, that you're still opening up those communication channels, communicating effectively and, uh, you know, engaging. Couldn't agree more. 100%. I was going to say the same thing, Marty. I think you summed it up beautifully. I mean, you know, if there's one way you want to destroy a business, it's lock your office door and, and have a closed door policy where you don't talk to anyone. And all of the roadblocks, all of the problem solving, all of the complex solutions that might require... 30 seconds of your time and a quick Mm. combo, if you're closing the door to that, there's going to be roadblocks, there's going to be inefficiencies, there's going to be disgruntled team members who who don't have access to. A lot of the times, especially in small business, a lot of employees will join a workplace because of the quality of the leadership team or the owners of the business. They, They want to be part of what's being built and sometimes that's something special that they're going to get behind. And I never take it for granted that when team members choose to work at, at Future Advisory, for example, I have a huge amount of respect and appreciation for their time, for their energy and for their effort they put in. And I want to give back to that. And I can imagine if somebody joined thinking that Jace is in the office, Jace is a big part of driving Future's growth and direction, but then I stop turning up to work or I lock myself away or I never make myself available, quick, fast way to destroy a business. Go on. I heard as uh, he was, he had v- numerous director roles. This guy, I won't mention names, but pretty much every company that he went to went well. Um, and I said to him, you know, because I've invested in some of his companies, I said, mate, what is the what is the secret? Like, you know, every, every, everything you do, you seem to do really well. And he said to me, Nick, you got to walk the floor. He said, if you're a managing mm-hmm. director, if you're a right. CEO, he said, doesn't matter how big. The business is, he said, you need to walk the floor. And so you need to understand what's going on below you. You need to be talking to people. You need to be in the office hearing what people are talking about. You might not directly be talking to people, but you're hearing them talking, you know. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this is it for everyone, but our office is open plan and that's myself and Marty and the other leaders in the business included. We don't have offices. We're all we're all in the open plan space, so we're constantly hearing what the other team, what the rest of the team is talking about. 
we're constantly talking to each other. And that for me, I think is brilliant. It means we're not isolating ourselves in an office, putting ourselves on a pedestal. Um, you know, there, there is times when we go into meeting rooms a lot and, you know, we talk about what we need to talk about, but just being in the office environment, hearing the other staff and what they're talking about, I get a good handle on everything that's happening in the business day to day without even talking to anyone. So it's highly valuable. You need to understand what's going on. Um, and you need to understand the value that you actually give to people. Like you're the leader. And this is the, another thing that was um, a piece of advice that was given to me by um, a mentor was you don't understand the value you can add just by being there and by saying day to people in the business and just talking to people as the leader. You probably underestimate the value that you add and you probably underestimate where people or how high people hold you as the leader. Um, so, yeah, awesome, mate. Awesome, Marty. I think it's, per- it's, 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 it's a great comment. And I think too, yeah, and, and even when delegating, sometimes you'll delegate without effective communication around that. So it almost feels like you're throwing work at someone without clear explanation. And that's another danger that I've seen over the years. And look, like I said, been through it all and adjusted, right, by real real, real life situation. So again, even when you're delegating, make sure clear communications around that and people understand that they're on the journey with you and they're happy to support. So, yeah, really good insights, lens on that too. Um, number five, uh, this is a bugbear of mine, this one. Uh, just if you want to just, just decimate your business, just ne- neglect the financial tracking of the business. I can't tell you how many business owners, I've got my back up already, how many business owners that run yeah, really good uh, sales businesses but have no idea what's coming in and out of the door and how to analyze that data that's why they need good people like Jason Robinson in our uh, yeah, future advisory but um, yeah just just maintaining accurate financials and knowing exactly where they stand day to day week to week month to month and making clear decisions around that uh, like we said cash flows like oxygen uh, you can run out and uh, yeah starve very quickly can you staff not have an oxygen? Probably not. Uh, you can't breathe. But it's. Um, but yeah, I think that's the death of a lot of businesses. Um, and people have come back with excuses to me. When I was an accountability coach to small businesses, they're saying, oh, I get other people to track that for me and just give me an update on it here and there. I just focus on the sales and just growing the business. I don't want to know about the, biz- the numbers. But it's like Nick said, it's like walking the floor of your business. It's walking the floor of the numbers of your business and understand how they all interweave and and knowing how to optimize it uh, i just think you need to be educated on that um, and you'll always be okay if you if you know your numbers i'm probably preaching the converted on this one lads yeah I, I was lit i was gonna say i thought this might be the point where I, I jumped in and had the most to say but you've you've absolutely nailed it marty and i think you know if if you're a business owner and you you can't read your profit loss and balance sheet properly book a little session with your accountant. Say, can you just explain it to me in real simple terms, what I'm reading and what I'm looking at? And then if you don't have financial tracking ability, like a budget versus actuals, like to know what you're targeting and what you're working towards, also set up a for- set up a budget. Set up a budget so you can forecast what your business should look like if all goes to plan. And then you've actually got something to measure against. And it's real simple. And 100%, you want to destroy, you want to destroy a business, try and fly blind. Go, go without the roadmap and, and try and push forward and not know where you're going and what the measure of success actually looks like. Um, and that's a fast way to 
yeah, destroy your business. But it's the same as like, you know, it, a lot of divorces are caused by financial circumstances, right? It's no different in businesses. A lot of businesses break up because of financial strain and how people um, act you know, in that situation. So it's really important to have clarity over those numbers. Yeah, nothing to add for me. I just think it's business 101. Um, yeah. You can't you can't say you don't understand it because it's debits in, it's credits in, debits out. You don't need an accounting background to work out how much is coming in, how much is going out. If you can use a calculator, you can work it out. And I think most business owners um, can do that. It's just laziness and ignorance, um, blissfully ignorant. So yeah. couldn't agree more. And some people have an adverse reaction to numbers for whatever reason. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to know about it, even if they're doing okay, which I still don't understand. But anyway. they, make, they make me sick. <laughs> jokes uh, jokes jokes no. jokes kids, jokes <laughs> uh, number six uh relying on your team to read your mind now this is this is probably a personal one but uh, while it's important to set clear expectations it's also important to provide clear instructions and be open to feedback relying on your team to read your mind and complete tasks perfectly can lead to frustration and ineffective work progress uh, processes now why i bring this up is because yeah surely if i'm demonstrating these behaviors people know what to do right it it's like it, <laughs> It's it's such an interesting thing in regards to what you think someone should know as to what they actually know, and this is no disrespect to the person you're communicating with. This is the the disrespect goes to the leader on this one. Um, I've had many a situation, particularly in the early days, where I just assumed the person knew what they were doing and they knew the pathway, and I thought I had explained it, but I hadn't. Um, one, and I only worked that out after having a meeting on the back end of it. It was because I knew it so well, I thought I'd obviously communicated it. And I, I think business owners get busy and that's uh, sometimes you just miss and you've got to effectively communicate. Uh, communicate what's going on in your mind and in your business um, so people understand it. And I still get called out on it occasionally where I go, oh, they'd know that. And then, of course, they don't and not their fault, my fault. <laughs> Jace, Lick, help me out here. So I, I, this just, I thought back to Nick and I did a leadership course uh, with Cub, with uh, Adrian Hondros, who's been on the uh, show before. And when it comes to mind reading of the, the leader or the business owner, um, you know, the, the most important thing you've got is your uh, three C's, they called it. Um, when you are communicating, it's context, clarity, and was it, well, and now I've bloody lost it. Communication, context, clarity. <laughs> Nick, have you got the other C for me? I've gone bloody absolutely. Well. No, I can't Three remember. Three Cs. Yeah, I'm. Context, I can't clarity. What I did yesterday. It's um, right. Maybe it's communication, context, clarity. So you know, the, I've gone and said that. Now point validated. Know, point validated. <laughs> you know, it's, it's we're getting to the end of a podcast recording session, and my brain's gone fuzzy. And Hondo's going to listen to this and go, "Jace, you, you missed the other C." So I'm absolutely devastated here. But no. So they, and and I think about Greg, for example. We've created this joke around if Greg's like grumpy, or you know, he needs to eat, he's hungry. Like you know, he's not going to communicate. You know, great. And but you know, it's just jokes in the office. But if you rely on your team to read your mind and, and you're, you know, in a tizzle and you, you've got the shits and you want someone to do someone to do something, but you haven't communicated effectively what needs to be done and why, and you're not articulating yourself very well, 
you know, what a great way to destroy your business. Once again, um, you know, that clear communication is absolutely vital and no one is a mind reader. And, and I tend to be more global in my communication and, and trusting the person to uh, backfill the dots. And you realize that just can't happen. That's how my process, you know, you've got to, you've got to communicate the dots in between. But because sometimes you think, oh, I'm busy, which is a poor excuse, you, you go more globally and you don't communicate the specifics around what you're doing. And that uh, been caught out on that a couple of times or more than a couple of times. Yeah. Context, communication, clarity. You need all three things um, for effective communication. How about clear, concise and consistent? There you go. That's good. Where'd you pull them from? Oh, look, I just got an amazing memory. Oh, good stuff. Well done. <laughs> no, <like> you. <laughs> no, you're spot on, mate. Look, and the, the only thing I'll say is, um, and I'm, I'm guilty of this and I try and fix this all the time, is try and set up um, structure around that so, you don't, so you're not thinking, oh, shit, am I communicating or not? You know, there's the key people in our in our business who I need to communicate, and I try and grab them at times um, on a monthly basis for a coffee to have a conversation about what's going on in their world, um, anything that they you know that I don't know about uh, from a business point of view. What are they working on? Anything they need help with? And I'm you know very guilty of sometimes letting those meetings slide, but they're still in my diary um, as, you know, catch up with this person, grab this person this week for a coffee. So try and set some structure around that so, you, um, so you're actually doing that. Otherwise, it'll, it'll just fall by the wayside, you know, versus oh, I, should, I should bring this person that day, put it in your diary to go and take them for a coffee on a, you know, every third Monday of the month or something. Yeah, if you had if you have other leaders in the business too, in your business, leverage their strengths where you think it's in context as well. If you think someone can uh, communicate something really effectively in a particular way on a topic, um, and you think they're the best to do that, then then draw on them as well because that's a really that's a superpower um, that you don't often get. So you leverage that when you can. Um, number seven. Now this is an interesting one too that I've seen over the years. Uh, Panicked and aggressive communication. Uh, this can destroy the fabric of relationships in the business. Maintain calm, confidence and trust in your business strategies and people. People need to feel a foundation of safety uh, in order to perform. And if they don't perform, be professional and performance manage uh, for the best outcomes for all parties anyway. But um, I've seen I've seen personalities switch in challenging times and even in very um, boisterous times as well. Uh, where again, you talk about consistency, Nick, and that's that's a really important thing as a leader. People need to feel safe in your interaction with them, and you can't let what's going on. You got to absorb a lot of pressure and maintain your communication standards because if you start to get aggressive and panicked, and that that is uh, that is communicated through, um, then it's like a virus through the business. So you've got to be really, really careful on that sort of stuff. You know, maintain your standards, maintain clear, calm communication. You can still be very direct in that. Uh, Colleen says to me all the time, she goes, I can't believe it. I get emotive when there's things that happen at the school and I'll just get in there and I go, all right, what's the outcome we want? And then work towards that outcome. Now, again, do I get it right all the time absolutely not um but again it's something to to take on board and uh it's a way to really destroy your business quickly uh if you're not if you're being aggressive and panicked couldn't agree more i think it's probably the hardest thing 
um, that I find being a leader or a business owner, the hardest thing is that consistency in your behaviour, um, whether that be you know turning up and and you know and making sure you still work no matter how how you're feeling, or whether that be you know being able to communicate effectively when you might be angry, um, leaving stuff that's at home behind when you come to the workplace, and um, yeah, I think it's something that if you choose to go down the path of business ownership and and bringing people in, you need to be able to do that. And, you know, there's, I can, I could put, I could easily rattle off 10 businesses or business leaders that I know, um, either within our industry or not, that are not good at that. And they lose staff and, um, and they don't run good businesses. No, they think they do, but they don't deep down. Um, because they're not they're not consistent and they can't hide their emotions. And generally, too, and, and people don't always think about this, and, but sometimes anger is um, you're angry at yourself. So you have to breathe through a certain circumstance and get the data and sometimes sleep on things and come back in, with a logical mind. So as a leader, so, you know, I've been in, you know, I've been in many uh, you know, conversations where I'm, you know, I, can feel, I can feel every the urges rising and I'm getting uh, agitated and then I just remind myself, just be clear, breathe, it's okay. Um, so sometimes that can be you're exposed and you don't know how to handle it. Other times it is something wrong and you're thinking about all right how do we how do we get clarity here and make sure this is okay so yeah but but again calm confidence is the key i've definitely been guilty of it and it's one thing as a leader um that myself and even greg as well we both talked about it where it's an ongoing you know you're never perfect um but you that is one area that if you can't work on improving that if you do get stressed and show the stress to your team um, that is something that's going to have an effect and and kind of make your business worse off. Um, again, that course, because I've got the notes open now because I went to look for the three C's. Remember very early on, Nick, it talked about um, leaders, you don't get to have bad days. You know, you've got to be consistent in your leadership. You know, you may have a moment of stress and what you need to do is develop that circuit breaker. So it might be the sitting back and taking a deep breath. Something sets you off, but you've got a circuit breaker. So instead of an instant reaction, you know that your circuit breaker is to take a deep breath and walk to the coffee machine and back, for example. And it's only then do you get to react and act as a leader and not have a negative reaction or, you know, with act with aggression or whatever whatever else you might do. So as a leader, no good or bad days, not publicly anyway, was the note I wrote down. So you might have a bad day, but you you don't show that to the team. So as leaders too, like sometimes we're each other's circuit breaker. So mm-hmm. on a high level, if we face something challenging, you know, just a quick call to each other, to a couple of minutes, uh, sift through it, different perspective, uh, you know, you got a new strategy forward, right? So utilize that. Some people might use an advisor or an accountant or a friend, um, you know, so there are ways to making sure you hold yourself accountable to that good, those good standards as well. So, so, but sometimes, you know, just want to let fly and when I was younger I probably did that a couple of times when I was 29 30 and weren't my greatest moments and I did a lot of work around um, just maintaining standards around that 
And that was only because I only got angry because I didn't have a direct solution on how to communicate to someone looking at a website where I thought they should have been maybe working, that they were looking up football websites. So I never forget it. It's a pain point of mine. But I flew off the handle and the laptop went across the, the uh, room and um, it wasn't good. And um, But... Um, we both came out of it actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I did some work around it. The other person was very clear from that point. <laughs> that, uh, the bag was full. <laughs> I was going to cop any more shit for that day, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, learn. Learn from my mistakes, kids. Learn from my mistakes. Well, Marty, what a uh, brilliant episode. I know we were G'd up and excited by that, but uh, we've, we've actually had full energy and gone nuts on uh, though Marty's, I'd call it Marty's seven steps to destroy a business i reckon That's we've right. just absolutely do nailed them so uh you know do better if you got friends that own businesses and they want to they want to destroy it send them a link to this episode and uh, tell them <laughs> to check out all the things they can do uh to get out of running their business and uh thanks for listening share like uh tell your friends and family and until next time the gold is between the lines in this one game over <laughs>